Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. I hope everything is well with you today. It's Saturday morning, and you know what that means. I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at the Bottom Gun Coffee Company as I record this episode. I have another great show lined up for you, but I have to warn you, this one's a bit different. My guest today is Neil Parekh. He's the founder and CEO of Made This, a local cleaning company in California. Now, what's interesting is that he built this business, this local business, from the ground up remotely. In other words, he did it completely online as he traveled in South America. So, you know, I like to talk about leaders being present, but can you lead a company and not be physically present? Well, this interview answers that question. As always, if you are looking to support this show and what I do here, purchase one of my books at johnsrenny.com or visit my sponsors, bottomguncoffee.com and ihavethewatch.com. All my sponsors use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Let's listen in to Neil Parekh and find out how we can be present remotely. Are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Neil Parekh. Neil is the founder and CEO of Made This, a company which helps homeowners and short-term rental hosts with their cleaning needs. He has a very unique story. He built this business from the ground up with a fully remote team, and now Neil is on a mission to help others do the same. So, Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. And I think your 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 story is really unique. And I'm really anxious to hear how you did it, how you built this company from nothing to where it is today over the past seven years or so. Um, but tell us about why you decided to leave. You, you had a really good job. You, mm-hmm. Everything was good in your life. And you decided to leave the world of leave the corporate world for the entrepreneurial world. So tell us about your journey. Sure. It, it is funny whenever anyone asks that question, not just to me, to be any entrepreneur, because it sounds ridiculous, right? Like, why right. would you possibly do this? Like, make less money for a long time, go through all this hardship for it. Uh, so it, it's kind of one of the things, and John, I'm sure you could test, it's kind of the next challenge in some ways. But my reason was um, I was working in venture capital for a while in, in private equity, and it was doing tech investments. It was, you know, I, I liked the people I worked with. I just don't think I was really fit for the corporate life. And in the back of my head, I always had, the vision of just backpacking for a year. I thought I'd quit my job, get a backpack on, go to South America, the hostel hop and go to different uh, places and just backpack for a year and kind of figure out from there what I'd want to do. So I wanted to get some sort of side hustle, which would allow me to achieve that, uh, allow me to work remotely and, and travel the world. So um, yeah, that, that was really the impetus for starting. And it kind of happened on accident. I don't know if on accident is the right way to describe it, but I was trying to find um, a traditional remote, quote unquote, business like e-commerce, right. drop shipping, microblogging, 
And that was on uh, reddit.com. And a guy had said, Hey, I started a cleaning company and here's the steps. And I thought, okay, well, I'm doing these other things. Let me just give this a shot as well. And it started working. Um, but at the same time, I kept thinking like, well, this is like a local business. I can't do this remotely. Right. And finally a light bulb came off of, well, Hey, let me try to do this remotely. I've learned a lot of things and how to do this remotely. Let me give this a shot. And kind of through a lot of Sean there figured out how to have what I now call kind of a remote local business. It's a local business that you could, but you can manage it completely remotely. So yeah, after that, I went to um, South America and was backpacking like I wanted to working on the business full time. And, you know, one year ended becoming five years. So I, I just got back because of COVID, uh, but I was on the road just building my local business uh, while traveling. So really interesting. So the idea of the concept is remote local business. Yeah. But- now I got to ask you, I mean, you're a venture capital guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, making big tech deals all day long. And you decide to start a cleaning business. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, honestly, and uh, for me, and John, I'm curious to hear from you from what, why you started the manufacturing thing. But I feel like it was a means to an end for me. Okay. Right? Okay. Uh, I think I like the aspect of business and what... Um, I, I like the process of business, figuring it out, you know, building a team, improving yourself, which helps improve the business. Uh, but the end medium of what we were selling, to be honest, it didn't matter to me as much. I felt like the business was a vehicle to help achieve the lifestyle I wanted, to help provide for my family, okay. to help provide for the lifestyle I wanted. So, you know, whether it's cleaning or Windows or e-commerce, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was kind of agnostic to me, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's interesting. Um, you know, if I were to talk about a, um, you know, a business that I would start, and, and if, if that business was a cleaning business, there's mm-hmm. no way I would think that you could create a cleaning business remotely. That mm-hmm. would be the last idea, because that's essentially a service business, which is a people business, which means you are, you know, you're putting, you have people cleaning homes and rental properties and this yep. sort of thing. So, so take us through, how did you conceptualize the idea of, of, of this kind of a service business in a remote way. Yeah. So uh, honestly, I, it's not like I had a genius mastermind saying, uh, I was a genius and thinking, oh, this is how it's going to work. It was kind of like, hey, I'm going somewhere. I have to figure this out because I have no other choice. Hmm. And in hindsight, I tell you what I kind of learned, John, which is uh, local services businesses that are people focused lend themselves the best to the remote local model. Right. Mm. If you have a brick and mortar store where people have to walk in to buy clothes or something, it's tough, right? Mm. It's very tough to make that a remote business. But when you have a local service business, let's talk about um, this cleaning. Yeah, let's talk about locksmiths. They could go straight from their home to the job site. So right. really what you're doing right. is you need dispatch. You need someone to coordinate. You need someone to interview people. You need someone to be on the phones to manage things. And uh, the reality is technology has moved so rapidly that what we previously thought of a local business no longer exists in that same capacity. Um, okay. So, to give an example, my parents had video rental stores growing up. Like, do you remember those blockbusters, John? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah so, they had a couple of them, and uh, that's kind of what I think people think about when they think of a local business, standing business. You have you know products in the store, people coming in and out. You have to have it staffed at all times. Um, but now you have things like Slack. You have voice over IP systems for phone calls. You have online booking like most of our bookings come from people who don't even talk to us Mm. they just go online and book right so i think technologies move very rapidly and what i love about the local services market in in hindsight is uh they're just behind the times 
right? Yeah. yeah. I think people, people perception of it is behind the times, but also truly most of them are kind of behind the times in terms of what they do. So as long as you kind of keep up yeah. with the trends, uh, it, it makes it worth it. You know, you're right about that. I mean, I've always said that, you know, I've lived, you know, because because I was in corporate for 22 years and I was in the military, I moved all over the place. I live in nine different states. And I can say every time I was in a new area trying to find someone, you know, an electrician or a plumber or um, or trying to find a dentist or and it just seemed like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was hit or miss. Right. And as you, as you mentioned, you know, especially service people coming out to your house. Um, I mean, it can be very frustrating. You get you get everything from guys that are right on time and, and mm-hmm. they take care of you to people that never show up or people that promise you one thing and do another. So it's there's a lot of and it's a, typically it's a guy or, or or a woman that has a skill. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they build a business around it. So they are good uh, carpenters. They build a carpentry business where they're right. an electrician, but they're really not good business people. Right. That they they don't really yep. know, you know, they, they might be really good skilled in their craft. But as far as, you know, the, you know, building the model around the business, they're 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 not that good at it. And I've always said this to my wife. It was funny because mm-hmm. I always said, you know, if someone can figure this out and actually, um, you know, get these people all on the same page, build a build a front end system for them or something that that makes their life easier so they can focus on their craft, then I think uh, they could be a lot more successful. And it sounds like. In a way, that's what you've done. You've kind of built the front end system for this company. Is that is that right, or am I putting words in your mouth? No, that's that's a very astute observation from you. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we the company's been around since 2013. We just started franchising this year, basically. So we have two franchise locations, and I'm helping open up one in Myrtle Beach right now. So I told him um, that's a that's a big market for cleaning. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a huge, it's a great market. So we're doing the. Um, onboarding process of training and, and the franchisee's owner, um, his name is Dan. And I said, Dan, uh, call the top 10 competitors. He's like, Neil, you won't believe me. Eight of them never picked up, never got mm-hmm. back to me. The two who picked up, one of them said they're booked and hung up. And the other one gave me like a, a, a kind of a crazy quote. That was it. That was, yeah. that was the top 10 competition in Myrtle beach. So this is a recurring theme uh, in cleaning. Your competitive advantage is picking up the phone. How re- as ridiculous as that sounds, that is a competitive advantage. And this is the same for a lot of local service providers. They just don't know how to do business. Now, if you look at it from the other perspective of, okay, well, if it's so easy to market, why doesn't everyone do it? Here's the reality is from the private equity and venture capital perspective, that's too small for them. Right. They're going for scale. They're going for nationwide. You know, It's harder to scale a local service business because it's very people dependent. It's very local market dependent. You don't right. get the rapid growth like you would in the software company, things like that. So a lot of big money is not chasing local services. At the same time, the small guys don't exactly know what they're doing, as we could all attest to. So in the middle, there's really just like kind of a slightly more sophisticated business-minded people who might be taking advantage of the market and saying, great, I don't have to compete against the humongous guys, but also I just have to do provide a really good service and a good front end for the customers, and you could beat a lot of local competition. So uh, I think that's true for any very local-specific type of market. And you could probably even assess what are those what are those markets if you're asking. Go look at what franchises exist. Right, those are all yeah. local businesses. Uh, same as ours. It's a franchise business now. It's a local business. If you look at a lot of the other local companies, a lot of a lot of the ones which you scaled from are franchises. But there's so right. many locations in the world. Right, there's unlimited locations. So uh, it is very possible to build a remote local business in in a location you haven't even been in. Yeah. 
Outstanding. That's true. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I think about um, way back when, way, when waste management uh, was getting started, they went mm-hmm. and they bought up all these mom and pop uh, garbage collection yeah. companies across the, across the country. And they, you know, back then there was a lot of front end systems, but they standardized the process, you know, standardized the logos, the paint schemes, the, you know, eventually websites. And so, so that it was like, one number you call and you get your garbage picked up versus trying to figure out who and where and what have you. So, yep. yeah, so it's, so it's almost a standardization in, in getting people on board uh, uh, in a way that's very professional front end, you know, systems and, and kind of what they're used to, what people are more used to doing business like today. So we're used to going online and looking for, you know, parts and things, you know, buying, buying something on Amazon is super easy, right? Mm-hmm. So we're used to going online and doing business, doing business transactions that way. You know, I know um, I was reading your story and you do like, for example, uh, Airbnb um, renters, you'll do some of the do cleaning services for them. So we've gotten used to, I use Airbnb all the time. We've gotten used to, you know, booking a room online and and without ever seeing it and staying at somebody's house. Right. So we're used to this shared model. So, um, yeah, so I would think it's, um, it's, it's for us, it should be easy to, to, to order our services through a similar type of uh, channel, whether it's an app or whether it's online. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, John, everyone's expecting that now, right? Like I get frustrated if I'm on the phone and I'm like, I have to get an estimate in person. Like, this is terrible. Like what age do we live in? Uh, But it wasn't that long ago. That was normal, right? Things just move very rapidly. And that's what people expect, especially like in kind of the millennial crowd, you expect to be able to go to a mobile friendly website, book a cleaning, get a confirmation email. You expect to be able to talk to someone for someone to be online to handle your customer service needs. I think people forget that wasn't the case like 10, 15 years ago. That yeah. it wasn't like that, right? That's not the norm until recently, but that's the expectation. So uh, if you could keep up with the times in terms of what people are looking for, um, you do really well. So here's an example for Airbnbs, um, which is a large part of what we're doing is vacation rentals, right? Uh, we're actually the first franchise focus on vacation rental cleaning that exists in the US. Uh, but with that, hosts think about what is the most convenient for them. They have checkouts all the time. And right now they have to text their cleaner, hope their cleaner shows up and remind them, hey, you have a cleaning tomorrow. And the cleaner shows up, does the cleaning and the host has to think, okay, did they do a good job or not? So we have a simple platform, which is third-party software, but we've kind of married it all together where we could sync with the host calendar, automatically schedule cleaning with us after checkout. The cleaner goes, does the checklist, takes pictures. The host gets a report at the end of it with any supplies or damage restocking. So that type of thing is not hard to do. This isn't custom software. It's off-the-shelf software. But you know for sure the mom-and-pop company down the street is not doing that, right? So as long right. as you do that, you'd be ahead of the competition, provide value for the customer, make it super convenient, and likely be able to charge a premium for that convenience as well. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So talk, talk, talk a little bit about starting this up. So, you know, what, one of the things that this is, you know, a leadership podcast, and, mm-hmm. and um, one of the big parts of being a leader is being present. And so you're already saying that we're not being present. So how do you, so, so that's kind of an interesting thing right from the get go. So how do you start a business? How do you build a team when a lot of your team is likely going to be remote? I assume Mm. you don't have all your employees backpacking with you when you go uh, (laughs) on your trips, right? So how did you build a remote team to start this? So our team is across six different countries right now. Um, of course, the cleaners are local to, local, to the market right. they're in, but the operations team is is based off six different countries. So 
Um, it started just because, hey, we needed to pick up someone to pick up the phones. And you realize, oh, I don't need that to route to someone in Los Angeles. I'm just going to route it somewhere else. Technology. Yeah. So you find someone uh, and you realize like, okay, we need to build a company culture as you get more and more people. So we use the same operating systems, operating systems in terms of like, a, have you heard of EOS, John? Like mm-hmm. entrepreneur operating system. Same framework as you would with the physical store. We just do everything online. So we did this before COVID existed, right? Where now everyone's remote. So it is, it is more normalized, but you have your level 10 meetings, meaning weekly meetings, you know, one-on-one meetings, you have a quarterly planning meeting, you have annual meetings. Um, so the framework and the way of communicating is all, it, you know, it's the same. It's just done online. So we use Slack for everything. So I'm actually very, yeah. very present in the business. It's not a passive business. It's not a set to forget it. I'm very much active in there. But just the medium of doing it is through Slack as opposed to a phone call or an in-person yeah. meeting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I've, yeah I've, I've been, funny enough, I've not met most of the people I've been working with for years. Never wow. met them. Yeah. It's crazy. That's wild. That's really, I mean, I guess, you know, now in the last year and a half, we're kind of used to it. I'm used to looking at uh, faces on screens. Right. I, I don't know how many sales calls I've made in the past year and a half where it's been me and a camera and my products holding up my products in front of the, in front of uh, different clients and whatever. Yeah. So it's just, I'm, I'm loving it. I don't know what you think about it, John, but are you, how do you feel about it? I kind of like it too. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's funny because I spent 22 years in corporate traveled all over the world. I mean, I've spent so many hours in airports eating bad food and, and um, waiting, you know, flight delays and missing, mm-hmm. you know, missing uh, or get in the back of a, a, a cab in Mexico City and just so many stories, right, through 22 years of just, you know, doing that to where the last year and a half has kind of been nice a little bit. It's been kind of quiet. And it's kind of getting back to uh, doing things I enjoy, you know, and not not having a schedule, which was almost impossible to manage, right, as far mm-hmm. as where I'm supposed to be, you know, all the time. So it's been kind of nice to say, well, I'll turn on the camera and I can have that meeting. Like, you know, I was just in a meeting up in New England um, yesterday. And then last week I was in a meeting um, in, in um, Alabama. So, and I didn't, I didn't travel. So that's, <laughs> that's nice. So it's, it's nice. Yeah. To do so I think in a way it's been nice for guys like me who, who have been kind of road warriors to be able to, you know, get a little breather, you know, so Absolutely. I think, so in a way it's been, it hasn't been too bad for, for us and our team. So yeah, yeah. here's been one yeah. in one um, benefit for us uh, as well on the local service side is we used to have to do in-person group interviews because that's what cleaners yeah. are used to, right? You go for an in-person interview, you want to see someone in person for that group right. interview. Um, now, because, um, and part of that is technology based. I would love to do video and zoom for cleaner interviews, but most people didn't really know how to use Zoom, right? Yeah. Especially in that demographic. Uh, now everyone knows how to use Zoom, right? Like yeah. my parents are doing Zoom karaoke all the time and they're 70 years old. Like it's just, everyone knows how to do Zoom. So uh, with that, cleaners also are very comfortable and it's normalized mm-hmm. to do video calls, get on Zoom, use technology. Um, so for us, that's been hugely beneficial for interviews. You no longer have to do in-person interviews, which completely eliminates the need for any room, any local presence. You know, yeah. we did have someone who was somewhat local just to be able to do the interviews. Now it's not really necessary at all because everything is going to be uh, video based, and it kind of expedited the timeline for getting a lot of that demographic up to speed on technology, which has been really, really good. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. 
as I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. Let me ask you, so the cleaners themselves, are they they employees of you or are they like... um, like a um, like an Uber driver where they're they own their own kind of business. How does that work? Yeah, good question. So in California, they are independent contractors with us. Okay. Um, in other states, you can be employees or independent contractors. It really okay. just depends on the state's labor laws and how you want to treat them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so in actuality, you're you you have a workforce, but it's not really a workforce. It's it's independent. It's basically a group of independent contractors that basically respond to where you have a need for a cleaning service that you have. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a large vetting process with that because, you know, what clients need is a reliable cleaner. So we have to screen them, right. To make sure whoever's on our platform is super reliable. um, And that, you know, we can reference check them, background check and things like that. But that's, that's correct. Yep. So my question to you is this, uh, because you, you want to build a different kind of company, right? One that Mm -hmm. is responsive and then, does the job really well. What kind of people challenges have you had uh, through dealing with <laughs> these cleaners in different places in the country? It's been it, any people-based business, and John, I'm sure you could attest to this, it's hard, right? Because yeah. people, you realize people don't always think the way you do, right? right? Especially if they're from different backgrounds. So sometimes, you know, you'll get situations of cleaners just calling out, customers super angry, they have a check-in happening, cleaners just saying, I'm not going to go. What are you going to do, Right. right. Um, so we have to have contingency plans and sometimes those contingency plans fall through because you're, everything is based off of other humans. Mm. That's the downside, in my opinion, of a service business uh, downside. I guess think about it however you want downside uh, pro, uh, in some cases it's a downside because you're dealing with human error. It's not a robots. who are always going to respond right. to what you want. Right. Um, so that is hugely the downside is you can't control what happens. Everyone has things happen in their lives. People's cars break down. They have a medical emergency. Um, they just don't want to go, right? And then what are you yeah. going to do? So for us, to be honest, it is tough to make sure we provide the best service for clients because they expect us to be better than the local mom and pop shop who calls out 
but sometimes it's just very difficult to actually deliver on that. So we do have guarantees around that. We do provide credits, refunds, you know, have a whole yeah. customer care team just cater towards that need. Okay. Is it, is yeah. it similar? Is it similar to, is your model similar to like an Uber driver where they're, they're rated or ranked or anything like that? Or is it, is it, uh, or is it different than that? I'd probably uh, attribute it more to like a matchmaking service as opposed to the Uber model. Cause it's okay. not as automated okay. where it's like, Hey, who cares who you, who we send? You know, we vet these people. They get through a five-step vetting process before they okay. on board. We know them. Um, so we, a customer will say, Hey, I need cleaner. We say, perfect. I have the perfect match for you. This is who it's going to be. If there's any issues, you know, let me know. We could kind of be the middleman with it. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit more how the model goes. I would, I'd, I'd say more of like a staffing or matchmaking model with a focus on obviously the cleaning industry and Airbnbs. So how long, you know, you got started, you've been doing this, how long, seven and a half years. Is that roughly? Yeah. About eight years. About eight years. So yeah. How long into the process did you feel like things were moving um, to the to the point it was moving smooth smooth enough where you felt like you could kind of travel and and kind of let it let it run a little more remotely? How 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 long did it take before you felt comfortable with I'm going to go wherever I'm going to go someplace with maybe where I have spotty Wi-Fi? Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried it at the be like within. One year of me leaving my company, I tried it of like taking a full week off and going somewhere completely remote, and it was rough for my team. Okay, and that, okay. you know, it, I think it's there's a mix of like how fast are you growing, and what are your growing pains, and when do you really take off? It, I think is it's kind of the mix of the two. But yeah, I'd probably say um, I was mostly within a time zone where I could work on LA time, so I could be online for my team. I so I never made it to Asia until like twenty eight, late twenty eighteen. So I'd say probably. That was the point where I was like, hey, I'm literally 12 hours ahead. There's nothing really I could do to help you guys out. Uh, so that's when I felt more of passing the torch, per se, to my team. Yeah. Um, I probably could have done it earlier, right? I, I think I think if you put a little bit more stress on your team, you become less available. It actually would help them grow faster. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't do that. So for me, uh, you know, 2018 was really when I was like, hey, I'm offline. I, I, can't, I can't help you guys out. Good luck. Uh, I'll be here in the morning. What you're telling me is I should just walk out of the office one day and just say, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yes, I wish I did that earlier. Yeah, because here's what happened, right? Because people people will adjust. I mean, it's a great leadership uh, lesson too. Is that people adjust to you know if 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 the leader is always there and always helping, then they become you know part of you know part of the team and people rely on them. If you if you give if you have those chance where you say, you know what, you're in charge. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to be, I'm going to disconnect for a little while. And I think what you find is people will step up. People will fill those gaps and, and they are much more um, capable than we give them credit for. And, um, and, you know, we don't necessarily have to be there every day running the show. It's, it's, in fact, it's important to, you know, allow people to rise up and take those, take responsibility as well. So, yeah. It's tough not to, John, and this is something I'm learning just now, eight years in, is um, it's actually hindering people's growth if I help, right? which is which is tough because you see your team members struggling and you want to help them. You want to be like, oh, I, I got this. Don't worry. I'm going to handle this. Uh, but the right leadership approach would be to say, hey, I'm not going to get in the weeds because my value is a little bit more high level, right? right? You present me the KPIs and what's going wrong, and we will solve it at designated times. In the meantime, I'm going to focus on the company vision. That's the best service you can do for your team members. But even now, like I, I still feel, I don't know if guilt is the right word, but I see my team members struggling and I'm like, I'm going to go help them out. 
right? right, it, it, right. It, it's tough to pull yourself back and say that's not the right leadership move. Let them flounder. Let them let them right, not have right. to just ping you and say, "Hey, can you solve this for me?" That's that's the correct move. Yeah, I, I agree. I know, like right now, for example, I'm temporarily doing uh, doing quotes for the company because we had a employee leave. I've been I've been doing this business. I've been in this industry for so long. I don't have to think about it. But I've recently hired a, a young college graduate that start doing the quotations of the projects, and and he doesn't know anything about our technology and our business, but he's learning. And um, one of the things I tell him is I said, you have to figure this out. You're not allowed to ask me any questions uh, on this, on this quote. Yeah. I said, I said, you've got, I, I will find one. I was like, you, you got to do this hundred percent on your own and then come, let's talk about it. Like, like what questions you have? So I, I think it, like we're, we're so quick to help, but I think pe- the learning happens when, when you struggle, you know, when, when the employee yeah. is struggling a little bit and like, okay, well, how can I find this answer? What would I do if, if John wasn't there, right? How would I solve this problem? So I purposely say, don't ask me any questions. I, I, I just want you to do this on your own and then come, come see me when, uh, you know, when you have the quote done so we can talk yeah. about it. And I think that's a, those are really important lessons for people. Give them a chance to grow and not be controlled all the time. Absolutely. It's scary. Cause like, if you're like, Hey, yeah, go, yeah. go look on this live sale, which we're going to lose. And that's less, you know, revenue to the company immediately where you're like, Oh, I could have closed that sale. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's still a battle I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. So now you're, you're, you want to help other people do this sort of thing mm-hmm. and not necessarily just in the cleaning business, but you, I know you have a podcast out now where you're talking about these um, remote local business concepts and, mm-hmm. and models. So talk to, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing to try to help others. Yeah, sure. So the main avenues through me, this franchise, um, okay. where people oftentimes will look at the model and say, Hey, uh, I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. Can I just oh, copy I what you do? And now I can yeah. say, yeah, you could exactly copy what we're doing here. Uh, so what made this franchise is, is kind of a work from anywhere, uh, local business model. See. Uh, okay. So we're a remote local business model. Uh, so we have a couple franchise locations right now. Uh, one's in Denver, one's in Myrtle Beach. Just launched that part of the business there. So mainly helping out people through uh, franchising and being very, very selective with who we actually pick to kind of join the Made This team. And yeah, the other part, John, you mentioned is the Remote Local Podcast. Launched a podcast just to talk about this concept and hopefully dispel some myths that having a local business means you're tied to that locality and having local business means you have a limit on scale, which is not true. So we talk a lot about uh, about that on the podcast as well. Yeah. And so for those that are listening and doubting this concept of a remote local business, your your partner on the podcast, David, he is uh, running a locksmith business remotely. Yeah, seven locksmith businesses remotely. So, so, so listen to that. <laughs> People are listening in, into this. So you, you think a locksmith has to be, it's a local business, local people. It's um, There's a skill set there that has to be you know known and understood. And, and mm-hmm. he's doing it remotely. He's, he's, he's managing that business remotely. I think he's in Barbados right now. So he's definitely managing it remotely. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's really interesting. So, you know, it's funny because I do hear, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, as an entrepreneur and I'm always trying to learn, but I hear a lot of people talking about being digital nomads where they can run their business anywhere. Mm-hmm. And what's what's interesting is they all kind of follow the same model, like like almost some of the models you chose, you were thinking about when you were starting. Oh, yeah. Great. They did they great all, marketing to get you on those models. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's plenty of like people doing it that way. I think what I found unusual about your story is that you you took it 
you took you do, did a business that you wouldn't think would be a remote business or could be a remote business, and you made it work. You made it happen, and I think that's uh, that's a pretty unique story. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with the nomad world. Um, they kind of suck you in, right? They sell you the dream uh, and say, "Hey, buy my course," and you, I will teach you how to sell other people courses the same way I taught sold you this course. That's what the course is right, about. Right. And it, go, it goes in a, in a big circle. So it took me a while to kind of understand like, oh, that's what this is. There's another way to do it, which doesn't have to just follow the same blueprint. Uh, but honestly, there's like, it's, my business is one way to do it, right? There's a, a local service-based business to be able to do that. But John, we were talking before this, like how can you make a manufacturing business remote, right? Yeah. That's the ultimate. If you can figure out how to make this remote, that that's incredible. Now, yeah. obviously when you're, literally manufacturing something there's aspects of it which cannot be remote yeah. uh, but from the team perspective maybe there is maybe there's some way to make it more lean and actually make it remote so i feel like the way we are right now maybe you can't the way the world is moving right now i think there's gonna be more and more local businesses which tend to tend to be more remote and they're going to trend that way yeah i think that's great i think i think one of the things too that i've learned you know maybe over the past six years or so is that trying to find a way to separate your time from your ability to make money. And I think that's something mm-hmm. that people 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 don't understand that that's really an important concept. If you can if you can you can make money when you're not um working on something like you know like I I'm I'm a writer. I've written, you know, a couple of best-selling books <clears throat> and I, you know, the other day I took a nap. It was like a Sunday and I took a nap and I woke up and I had sold 100 books. And I was like <laughs> I like this business. I, yeah. I, I like the idea I of going, going to sleep and waking up and realizing that, you know, you're, you know, a hundred books richer, you know, whatever. But I think, um, but I think what's interesting about what you're doing is that you're finding a way to, you know, not so much separate your time from it, but you're, you're to, to, to give yourself some freedom. And I think that's really interesting because we, you know, I'm older than you and, you know, it's sort of, tradition that you go you go work in a corporate environment and you do you know you, you work a lifetime and then you retire you get a watch and then you die you know a year later right so mm-hmm. so and you know for me it took me 22 years in corporate to realize this I didn't want to do that I, I want to go do something on my mm-hmm. own and it's um sounds like it didn't take you that long for you to, to come to that really I, I guess I guess I got a little bit lucky on that aspect and kind of realizing the entrepreneurial journey. Um John, one thing you mentioned over there, which is it, it has taken me a while to like truly understand the concept of is thinking about your business as an asset. Yeah. Um and I this goes back to your goal, right? If you just want to make X amount of money and you're like, I don't mind selling my time for that money as long as I have it, that's right. fine. Uh, at that point though, your business is not an asset. An asset produces you income as you're taking a nap, that's an asset. Yeah. Uh, so I think the goal of most businesses, in my mind, should be to build it in a way where it is an asset to you, not a time suck for you, not a liability right. for you. Um, so that is kind of how I've structured made this from the beginning as much as I could, right? At the beginning, I had to devote a lot of my time to it. But as you scale and you quickly realize, um, hey, I I'm, don't want this to constrain my lifestyle. I want this to be remote. Or, hey, I'm going to start hiring people I know it's going to cost me money, but you know, I just I don't want it to take up my time. At that point, you start to have a real asset, and I think that's a it's a it's a small subtle shift in the way you think about your business, in the way you think about entrepreneurship as well. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Think of it as an asset. Think of it, um, yeah. If you can separate your 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 total amount of time towards your business, then it becomes an asset or an income mm-hmm. stream versus something that you're spending, you know, eighty hours a week. You know, unless trying. you just built yourself a job. 
Yeah, right. You just have another job, right? What do they say? An entrepreneur, this is the kind of the funny definition, is an entrepreneur who uh, who works 80 hours a week so he doesn't have to work 40, right? So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's always the joke. But but that's not the way you should build your business is what you're saying. There's other ways to do it. Create, if you will, an asset that creates uh, income for you while you're able to be separate from the business and have exactly. some freedom. And I think, you know, I think that uh, to be honest with you, you know, the more I've seen as, as I've gotten older, what I want more is freedom versus, mm. uh, you know, versus having, you know, that, that, that job with the title and the status and the car and all that, that's not, that's not important to me. Freedom is much more important to me. And mm-hmm. I think it sounds like you, you've found a nice, um, a nice niche in where you're, you're getting the freedom, but you're also being an entrepreneur, but you're doing it in a way that um, is remote and, uh, and it's, and it's, and it's local as well. So it's kind of a neat, uh, mix that you found. Ah, thank you for that, John. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey, very difficult journey. And I think if anyone says entrepreneurship's easy, they're completely lying. It, it, it is very hard, <laughs> but very rewarding. So last question, and then we'll uh, let you plug uh, plug the business. What, what what are some lessons you've learned over the past eight years? Um, here's one lesson as it relates to leadership. Um, your business can only go as far as you, the leader, go yourself in your personal development journey. So you you won't, it'd be hard pressed to find a super successful business with someone who hasn't done some inner work in developing themselves. Mm-hmm. And the flip side, you throw Elon Musk in my role, I guarantee the business is going to explode, right? Because he's done his work. He, he's he's a great leader. Right. Um, so the business is truly a reflection of, of you in terms of how far it can go. So I think doing the work on yourself and trying to improve your leadership skills, trying to improve your business savvy skills uh, will help you go further along in business. That's probably the one key takeaway I've realized only recently is how directly that's correlated with each other. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think leaders have to continuously be learning and trying to grow and develop. And if you're stagnant, I don't think that you're going to be successful. I think you constantly have to be learning and and exposing yourself to new ideas. And I think it yeah. sounds like you found that uh, to yeah. be true as well. So that's probably the one. And the second biggest lesson I think would be, um, to be honest, I think at the beginning of my journey, I just did not, I was scared to spend money, right? Yeah. I was scared to like put money into SEO, put money into things. And I think that hindered my growth of the business as much as it should have been. So I'd probably just advise people to be a little bit more aggressive. And if you could pay to cut down your timeline, like why not? Right. Like I, I hire right. coaches all the time now because if they could guide me one direction where I don't have to do a bunch of trial and error in another direction, I've just saved a bunch of months of trial and error. And yeah, I spend money to, to pay the coach, but I've saved a ton of time and effort, a ton of uh, probably potentially more money gone in the other direction. So now with everything I do, I always hire a coach uh, or a mastermind group or some sort of guidance because uh, floundering by yourself is just wasting time. And that's not what mm. we want to do. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Probably my lesson probably just the opposite. I was probably too aggressive in the beginning. So oh, really? Hey, I guess the personality thing. <laughs> so I was saying I probably need to be a little more conservative in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is great. So how can people find out more about your company, about you, about your podcast? Where can they go? Yeah, sure. If you get to madethisfranchise.com, M-A-I-D-T-H-I-S franchise.com, uh, shoot a message there. You can find out more about the opportunity if you're interested in it. Uh, for anyone listening, if you want to contact me directly, just go to neilparek.com. Um, hit me up on there. Mention you came from John's show and happy to provide as many resources and feedback as I can. So feel free to message me. No, that sounds good, Neil. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing your story. Cool. It's awesome, John. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Reddy saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. ElectroCast. Transform your influence. ElectroCast.